Horn Free Radio, episode 162. How are guys successful in going porn free? What, what really works? Well, here's a couple things that, that really help. One, having a clear why. Knowing what your internal motivation is for going porn free. Going past just the external reasons of being good or, or making your wife happy. And getting down below the surface and figuring out what underneath really is driving me to actually pursue a healthy life where porn is not part of what I do. That's the first thing, the why. The second thing is, is a plan that anticipates the threats in your life and creates active commitments to deal with those threats. So to actually look at the actual places where you're vulnerable, where you're weak, and start to create commitments and habits that actually deal with those areas. And the third thing you need is you need review. You need uh, ways to com- continually improve your plan and take a look at what's working and what's not working. Now, a lot of guys have trouble putting that together on their own. You know, if you listen to the podcast, maybe you're listening on your commute or maybe you're listening on the treadmill. It's hard sometimes to just write down notes and start to take action and try to pull all that together. And that's why I do one on one coaching. And I want to invite you this summer to work with me as your personal coach. Go to recoveredman.com slash coaching. That's recoveredman.com slash coaching. Fill out my short application and I'll reach out to you and we can talk about what it would mean to work together on your plan. Get some support here. Stop trying to do it alone and work with me as your coach. All right, guys, let's start the show. I sit alone in my four-cornered room staring at candles. Who got me? Real radio do? Porn Free Radio. All right. Let's this here. At night I can't sleep. I toss and turn. Candlesticks in the dark. Visions of bodies being burned. Four walls closing in, getting bigger. I'm paranoid sleeping with my finger on the trigger. My mother's always stressing I ain't living right. But I ain't going out without a fight. See, every time my eyes close, I start sweating and blood starts coming out my nose. It's somebody watching the act, but I don't know who it is, so I'm watching my back. I can see them when I'm deep in the covers. When I awake, I hear a car burning rubber. He owns a black hat like I own, a black suit and a cane like my own. Some might say take a chill beat, but I can't cheat because there's somebody trying to kill me. I'm popping in the clip when the wind blows Every 20 seconds got me peeping out my window Investigating the joint for traps Checking my telephone for taps I'm staring at the woman on the corner It's messed up when your mind is playing tricks on you Welcome to Porn Free Radio This is the podcast for motivated guys who want to quit looking at porn This is where you come to get hope and take action I'm your host, Matt Dobschutz We're listening to a little old school rap, Ghetto Boys. Mind is playing tricks on me. Man, I love the hook on that song. All right, I'm not going to rap for you today. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm tempted, though. There's a, I love the the Bushwick Bill verse on that song. He says, um, he said something like, This week, Halloween fell on a weekend. Me and Ghetto Boys is trick or treating. Robbing little kids for bags. That is so gangster 
when <laughs> you goof around on Halloween with your boys by uh, going out and robbing kids for their candy bags. Um, anyway, <laughs> there's a reason I'm sharing mine is playing tricks on me because today we're talking about the way our minds play tricks on us when we're in recovery, when we're trying to go porn free, the, the, the tricks our minds play on us to pull us back to porn. Now we've done some podcasts on mistaken beliefs and uh, that's one form of, of, of a thing that goes through our head that pulls us back to porn. Uh, but one of the pictures I had when I was thinking about this episode was of the idea of a mirage. You know, this is the, the thing where you're in the desert and you're thirsty and uh, you see what looks uh, like a, a water source, like a fountain. And you see it off in the distance and you start heading toward it. And when you get to it, you realize there's no water. It was just a complete illusion. It was a mirage. So I wanted to focus on those things that our mind plays on us, the, that our mind sort of uh, fabricates um, that make it easy to go back to porn and porn behaviors. And um, I think it's worth kind of talking about uh, a couple concepts that I shared in um, uh, episodes a few, few weeks ago uh, from Dr. A. Thomas Horvath. Now, he wrote the book. I have the workbook right here called Sex, Drugs, Gambling, and Chocolate, a Workbook for Overcoming Addictions. Now, in this book, he defines addiction in a really simple way that I think works for our podcast. He defines it as uh, an extreme version of a habit, uh, an extreme form of a habit. So it's something that we're going to over and over and over out of habit. Now, he he puts a other, couple other priam, uh, uh, what is it, parameters on it. Uh, the idea that um, there's some sort of craving um, that that is involved, and there's also a um, uh, it's a repeated use, and that there's some excessive cost to it, meaning that that you're engaging with it even though it's costing you. And not just money, um, but it's costing time. It's taking a toll on you. And that's probably why you're listening to Porn Free Radio is you've, you've identified that there's some level of toll that it's taking on you. You're actually uh, feeling conflicted about your engaging with it. If you were happy-go-lucky looking at porn and you weren't feeling any consequence or cost, you would never be listening to a show called Porn Free Radio. No one listens to this show for fun. Uh, take it from me. I have a lot of great friends uh, who have never listened to this show. Why? Either they don't struggle with porn or they don't really want to think about it. They don't really want to be confronted with whatever I'm talking about. And so they have no interest in this show. So the only people who really listen to the show are people who are struggling and are feeling conflicted. And so there's some cost that you've identified. And, uh, and so that's kind of the definition of addiction, according to Dr. A. Thomas Horvath, is, is when you're having excessive cost, but you're still going to something over and over again, 
um, out of a combination of craving and enjoyment or expected enjoyment. So he talks about the progression of addiction from this uh, point of view. And the idea is that it starts with the first step is curiosity. So something originally uh, got us excited about porn or porn behaviors. We tried it. Uh, we, we realized we enjoyed it. We did it a couple times and there became sort of this expected enjoyment. When I look at this, when I do this search, when I get this magazine, when I watch this video, uh, it kind of gives me a buzz. It gives me a good feeling. And at some point, that good feeling uh, became something that we wanted to cope uh, with. You know, it became a coping method for negative feelings in our life or for a couple of different types of things in our life. Like, for example, maybe it was sadness or maybe it was stress, maybe it was frustration or fear. Uh, it became a primary way for us to uh, escape from those feelings. So step one is curiosity. Step two is expected enjoyment. Step three is it becomes a primary coping method for us. And step four is when it becomes a way of life. It becomes our go-to uh, whenever we experience those negative emotions or when we experience those hard things in life, uh, we want to retreat to the addiction, to the coping method. So when we're getting into recovery, like where we're at right now, when we're starting to try to change things, uh, we're trying to change our normal. We're trying to make our normal uh, recovery habits. We're trying to make our normal these new types of, of ways of doing life, uh, whether it's creating morning routines or whether it's creating active commitments, whether it's putting filters on our computer. We're trying to establish new habits uh, to get rid of this extreme habit. You know, my friend Craig Paris says all the time uh, to... Uh, what is it? Uh, to <laughs> he says it so much, I forgot it. It's uh, to break a habit, you have to, everyone, make a habit. So we're spending a lot of energy in our plans and in our recovery trying to make new habits. But what goes against us here is our mind, in some ways, is still wired to that old system, meaning negative feelings come up, uh, frustrating situations, and we want to retreat to that coping method. We want to go back to that old pattern. And so, you know, this isn't a brain science lecture. This, this is part ego. This is part our mind. This might even be uh, some physical uh, habits and rituals that we've sort of internalized, uh, meaning we're used to masturbating, to, to calm our bodies. We're used to uh, we like the stimulation of porn or uh, pornographic things. You know, it's like we've kind of trained ourselves um, to really uh, enjoy this habit. And so our mind keeps wanting to go back to that. So there's some mirages that I think our brain creates that... Um, that give us the sense that it's safe or it's okay to move back uh, to some of these things. And so here's, here's five mirages that our brain creates um, that affects guys. And this totally affected me in recovery. And it still does every once in a while. There's still little minor things where my mind is sort of playing with this idea of, of scratching the itch or tickling 
this, this sort of uh, habit. So here's the first one. Here's the first mirage that our mind creates for us. Uh, this isn't porn. Now, this is based on the idea that at some point we were engaging with what we'd consider hardcore porn. Maybe we were on hardcore video sites watching, you know, really graphic sex acts, whether it was, you know, penetration or other stuff. Um, you know, we're, we were watching uh, full-on hardcore, they, they used to call it triple X pornography. Um, and so in recovery... Uh, we've been drawing the line back farther and farther. Maybe we put a filter on. Maybe we've eliminated some of those really troubling websites that we were going to on a regular basis. And so now, um, if we were to try to act out, we might not even go to those hardcore sources anymore because, you know, we know that that's a, a, an area that's unsafe. That's an area that we've basically... Uh, put the police tape around and say, you know, say, we're not going in there anymore. That's, that's off limits. That's Chernobyl. That's, you know, that's just way over there. But there's all these areas where, you know, what we might be engaging to get a buzz or where we might be going to to edge isn't quite porn. Uh, for example, we might be looking up fitness models on Instagram, or we might be doing web searches uh, for actresses that we see in a TV show, or we might, uh, we might even be dabbling with what might be considered softcore uh, type uh, pornographic stuff on cable. Uh, we might be sort of dabbling in um, sort of naughty websites uh, uh, that, that are, you know, kind of playing around with, um, uh, you know, um, kind of, what is it called? Clickbait kind of stuff, you know, top 10 celebrity beach bodies, that kind of thing. So we're engaging with this stuff and we tell ourselves the mirage is this isn't porn. And we even maybe, uh, use this excuse when we talk to our accountability partner or our wife, it's like, well, I I'm doing pretty good. Cause I, I haven't looked at porn. But what's the pattern that's being engaged here? You know, like I, I, I remember one time I was, I was talking to a guy and he described how he kind of had a little slip during the week. He actually didn't even call it a slip. He said, good thing is I haven't looked at porn this week. And I said, hey, that's great. But you, you said you seemed troubled by something. What was it? Well, I, I was having some trouble with Instagram. And I'm like, describe that. Well, he said, uh, I kind of started following some fitness models and some porn star type people. And, and um, I just was spending a lot of time on there. And I go, well, what's a lot of time? And he said, well, you know, I, I kind of was on for one day for a couple hours and another day for a couple hours. And, and I was just following pictures and links and this and that. And I was like, wow, that's pretty intense. Uh, and then I, I didn't even think to ask this, but I just, I, there's a little needling thing in me. I was like, Hey, during this, this sort of snacking on Instagram, did you, um, did you happen to masturbate? Uh, 
And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I masturbated a couple times. I'm like, let me get this straight. So you had a pretty good week because you didn't look at porn. But you were on Instagram for like, at least it sounds like four hours and you masturbated a couple of times to images of fitness models. And he's like, yeah, yeah. But he wasn't looking at porn. Now, this isn't a judgment. I, I, I've done the same exact thing that this guy was struggling with. I've done the same exact thing. I've played the verbal mental gymnastics of saying something isn't porn. But I think what we need to do when we are going porn free is start looking at the habits, start looking at the ritual and don't focus so much on the content. So if we just zoom out and we don't say Instagram was part of that equation and, and the women had some clothing on, if we take that out of the equation, what was the net result of that, uh, of, of, of that behavior? Well, it was like four or five hours of essentially binging on images with masturbation. Yes, the, the images were PG-13, but the result was the same. Time lost, obsession, masturbation, connection with masturbating to images. It's the same pattern. In 12-step groups, a lot of times they say this phrase. It's not what you use. It's why you use. It's, it's, it's not the thing so much as the why. So what's the why there? Why, why is this sort of this um, compulsion to go on Instagram, why, what, what is it trying to do? And it's probably some sort of coping, whether it's coping with stress or frustration or sadness or fear, whether it's procrastination or boredom or depression, whatever it is, there's a piece where this behavior is trying to cope with feelings so this isn't porn is one of the things that somehow makes some of this behavior seem okay because we've in our mind created an arbitrary line, meaning if she's not uh, totally naked or if she is not getting drilled by a, a big porn star guy, then it's not porn, except we need to zoom out and kind of say, well, what is the pattern? What are we trying to move away from? We're trying to move away from using images, using um, um, sexual stimulus to escape our problems, to escape and to, to cope with our problems. So the this isn't porn. I mean, this can go to, you know, um, to other things. Like, for example, uh, someone could say, I like reading erotic literature. Well, you're not looking at any pictures. There's no pix there's no pixels, right? So it should be okay, right? Well, what's the what what's the result? What are you going for? Well, what about euphoric recall? What if you're just uh, in the shower and you start thinking about a, a former lover or the first girlfriend you had? Is there anything wrong with that? Well, 
it, it, <laughs> this isn't a moral judgment, but yeah, if you're trying to recover from coping with feelings by masturbating and sort of arousing yourself, then yeah, that, that becomes a problem, especially, you know, if you're cultivating an intimate relationship with your current partner, your, your wife or your girlfriend or whatever, if you're focused on creating real intimacy and real connection, retreating to your private fantasy world, you know, C.S. Lewis called it your, your harem in your head, you know, where you just choose your imaginary lover and masturbate to her or him, it, 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 it really defeats the, the, the connection that you want in real life. So this idea that it isn't porn is a mirage. You really need to join, you need to really look at the bigger picture. Here's another one that goes along with this. This isn't as bad as it was in the past. So, so the mirage here is that uh, I'm not using as frequently or I'm not using as long. For example, I used to binge all weekend. Now I just binge for an hour. Or I used to look at this every day. Now I just look at it once a week. Or I used to look at porn that was illegal, and now I look at porn that's legal. Or I used to look at porn that um, I was really uncomfortable with, and now I just watch Showtime late at night. Okay, So it's this idea that what I look at now is not as bad as what I looked at before. Now, again, we need to look at what the end result is. Now, or not what the end result is. We need to look at what the effect is of us, on us. So here's an example. Okay. Let's say that you were a chain smoker for years. Okay. And you smoked, let's say, three packs a day. And you, through some habits and some, some white-knuckling, have now gotten your habit down to one pack a day. Now, theoretically, you're smoking less, right? Is smoking still good for you? Does smoking become a good habit? No. It's still a bad habit. It still has effects. It still has costs. The fact that you're doing it less, yes, maybe you lessen some of the overall impact, but it's still not good for you, right? Just reducing your use of it doesn't make it good for you. That, that's the simplest way I can, can say it, is just because you've lessened some of the impact doesn't mean it's a good thing. I think sometimes we get this idea that everything in moderation applies to this area of our life. And here's the thing. If you have gotten to the point of addiction, like Thomas A. Horvath talks about, where porn and porn behaviors and masturbating to images and masturbating to videos or erotic stories or to fantasies or voyeuristic pursuits, if that becomes your way of life, when you get rid of that, when you start to, to let go of that, uh, it doesn't really matter if you reduce the frequency. 
if you're still giving into that thing over and over where you're still sort of engaging that part of you, because you're going to have some, it's still going to affect you in negative ways. There's still going to be cost. I mean, I'll give you an example. I, um, I, the first, uh, couple years of my recovery, uh, we didn't have as many devices back then. And there were some, some really high, high structure that I committed to with my wife that basically cut off all porn for a couple of years, which I'm sure you're thinking is great, right? That, that, that maybe even you right now, if, if I said, if I could kind of wave a magic wand and give you two years porn free, you'd think, Hey, I'm, I'd lick this thing if I could just get two years of sobriety. But the truth is, is I was still struggling with some of these edging behaviors. I was still struggling with stuff. And so even though I reduced the frequency, meaning I had two years of sobriety, uh, when I relapsed or had a slip, it was incredibly painful. I remember having to go back to my wife and say, hey, I, I, I slipped. I went across this boundary that we had set. And she was heartbroken, devastated. She felt totally betrayed. So just, I only acted out once. I could have easily said to her, hey, I haven't acted out in two years. This isn't that bad, right? You know, the problem is, is to her, it didn't matter that I was better than I was in the past. It still hurt that I crossed that boundary. You know, I, I, my pastor was talking about um, talking about being in relationship, being in a, in a, a marriage relationship. And he basically said, um, you know, your wife is not going to be pleased if you say, hey, the good news is, is I'm not committing adultery as much as I used to. Right? It's like one incident is, is a game changer. So we need, to, we need to really question that mistaken belief that it's not as bad as it was in the past. It shouldn't be as bad as it was in the past. If you're actively working on recovery, you should be eliminating uh, those illicit sources. You should be closing those loopholes. You should be refining what you do, drawing the edge farther back. That should be true. But you shouldn't stop there. You should keep going. Now, if you're struggling, if you've had a relapse recently, I'm, this isn't judgment. You know, I think some people get really worried that when I start talking like this, that they start going to getting into all or nothing thinking. And I don't want to encourage that, but I want you to, I want to, I want to challenge that idea that, hey, you're doing pretty good because it's not as bad as it used to be. The idea should be, you should be getting healthier. So if you're eliminating smoking from your life, just going from three packs to one pack a day is probably not enough. All right, here's another mirage that I think people go to. Uh, this will clear my head. And somewhere in your past, when you created this habit, you equated uh, mental focus or clarity or stress release with going towards porn. Now, the truth is, if you look at the result, if you look at the costs of engaging with porn, a lot of times it doesn't clear your head. It makes things worse. You know, it creates more fogginess or it starts to create more costs, meaning 
yeah, you act out and you have fun for the couple minutes that you're acting out, but then you're full of feelings afterwards, shame, regret, anxiety, disconnection, sadness. And then you're walking around with those feelings, which sucks. So the problem is, is yeah, maybe at some point it did sort of seem to clear your head. It, it did seem to sort of hit the reset button. I've heard guys say that, you know, this, I was feeling kind of horny and I hit the reset button. I acted out. I felt good afterwards. Problem is, is once we've identified the cost, once we've been working on recovery, it, it ha- doesn't have the same effect. It brings more baggage with it. Um, I've seen this with, uh, shoot, what's the other thing? Uh, this will clear my head. Uh, oh, I know, I know the other one that, that, that sometimes people think is, um, this will help me go to sleep. And here's, here was my experience of that. I would feel a little fatigued already, but I wasn't falling asleep right away. So I'd have the thought, wouldn't it be fun to just get up and look at a little porn, uh, you know, kind of clear my head. Uh, I used to, I used to say I, I had, I used to say this to myself, you know, I have baby batter on the brain, meaning I just, you know, if I could just have an orgasm, I'll be fine. Everything will clear out and then I'll just be able to go to sleep. But here's what would happen. I'd sneak to the office, fire up the computer. And the next thing you know, the obsessive thinking would kick in. So even though I'm tired and even though I just want to, you know, have a quick release and go to bed and relax, two hours later, I'm still following little rabbit trails and, and going, hmm, what's behind this video? Or let me download this torrent or let me do this. And so instead of helping me go to bed, I'm actually stayed up t- two hours later than I wanted to. So then when I finally get done, I crawl into bed, I'm exhausted, and then I start having the bad feelings, the shame, the guilt, the next morning I wake up, I feel like crap. So it, this idea that it clears my head or calms me down to go to sleep, it doesn't work anymore. The costs outweigh the benefit. When I start engaging it, my obsessive brain wakes up and I'm more awake than ever. So it has the exact opposite of effect of what I want. Or, you know, guys have described, you know, they, they think it'll clear their head but they're more foggy than ever afterwards. I've seen, I've heard of guys working at home. They're working on a big project. They're feeling some stress about the project. They're working hard. And so there's, there's a little bit of that sense of, of wanting a reward. And they think if I just take a little break with this, um, I'll, um, I'll feel better. And then I'll be able to focus again. So they do it, they take the, the, the vacation, the, the little porn vacation, and then the problem is they don't click back in, they feel foggy and crappy and all these other feelings. And now they're trying, and now they're behind because they spent an hour or two. So um, that's another one. So, and, and that actually brings me in my next one. This will be a good break. So the idea that, um, that somehow we've, we've established this habit that porn is a break for us. 
you know, and whether it's a reward or whether it's a, a little procrastination thing, um, uh, or maybe it's just a, a little, um, um, an escape. We tell ourselves that, um, that this would be a good break. And, you know, I think one of the other mirages that we tell ourselves, one of the other things about this is sometimes we tell ourselves, Hey, uh, we can just do this for like 10 minutes. You know, I, I've heard, I've actually heard guys sort of be proud of themselves that they, that they don't spend a lot of time looking at porn, that they're real efficient about it. I, I, I again, I don't think the fact that you're efficient looking at porn makes your life any better. It's kind of like saying, hey, I don't smoke a cigar because it takes a long time, uh, but I you know, chew tobacco. It's like it has the same effect, um, whether you draw it out or not. Um, it can have the same effect. So this idea that we can take a break with it or that we have uh, this ability maybe to just pop over, pop open a browser, look at something, and then jump back into work, um, I think is uh, very gullible. You know, there's that sense, there's that part of us that thinks that we're multitasking, that thinks that we can just jump back and forth between this stimulating sexual stuff and then our boring spreadsheets and, and, and be effective and be efficient. I don't think that's true. Uh, I, I think it ends up hurting us. Here's the last one that I think is a big trick that our mind plays on us, that this is a good substitute for sex and intimacy. And this one affects single guys and it affects married guys pretty much equally. So single guys who aren't in relationships, they don't know when they're going to have that romantic relationship that's going to start to to pull together that um, intimacy and sexual connection that they want. Uh, whether they're waiting for marriage or whether they're they're waiting for a partner that they're in love with, whatever it is, they don't know when that partner's coming. And so there's this real sense of, hey, this is a good thing to meet that need now. This is a good substitute. You know, use porn, porn behaviors to be a good substitute. Uh, there's also for married guys, there's all sorts of times in marriage where intimacy is not on the table. Our wife could be sick. Our wife could be traveling. My wife's traveling right now, by the way. She's been gone for a week. It sucks. It sucks. And I know that porn and porn behaviors are not a good replacement for uh, intimacy and sex and connection with my wife. But gosh, they sure feel like this week more than ever, they feel like they're real. They're really real. And, um, and so that might be it. You know, you might have a wife who's traveling. You might, you might be in a conflict with your wife, you know, um, or your partner. Uh, you know, you don't usually have a lot of sex if you're in a conflict, if you're trying to resolve something. Um, so there's different times where it's not an option. But this is why it's a mirage. What happens when we go back to porn and porn behaviors we are, we are cultivating an extreme version of a habit. And the habit is self, uh, self-serving, very um, self-focused. So we're cultivating a habit that is uh, tied with isolation. 
it's tied with very narcissistic tendencies where we're, we're, you know, teasing and arousing ourselves in just the way we want to be touched, just the way we want to be aroused. We're looking at the things that cue us up perfectly to whatever our fantasy is or whatever uh, we want to, um, pursue well you know we're clicking on the video the exact video that we want to watch or we're doing the web search for the fetish or the thing that really gets us going and so we get very uh fine-tuned at curating our tastes and um this is the opposite of healthy intimacy and sex where we're meaningfully connecting with another person where we're moving outside of ourselves where we're sharing, where we're taking care of another, where we're focused on their needs, where they're focused on our needs, where there's an exchange of love, connection, touch, right? It's the complete opposite. We're withdrawing, we don't care about anybody else, we're isolated, we're focused, we're totally self-focused. And, um, and the thing is, is we have cultivated this habit over years, And the more we cultivate it, the more we go to it, the more it blocks our ability for that healthy intimacy and sexuality. Um, uh, You know, I was, um, I was interviewed in a, in a article um, on a website recently, and it was a really nice interview. I, I, I interviewed with the, the, the woman who wrote it and um, you know, she pretty much recorded what I said and, you can hear you hear my voice in it. It's 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 my story, but there was one thing she wrote at the beginning of of the article. She said um, she sort of put this caveat out there that some people use porn to spice up their marriage or you know in healthy ways. That's what she said, and um, I felt like that that comment is kind of biased. It's like this idea that, Hey, there's a healthy way to use this. And, and, um, you know, not everyone has an addiction and that kind of thing. And, and I, I, I don't agree with that, uh, both morally, but also the way I look at porn. I don't, I don't really agree with, with that. Um, but I do think that that's in our culture right now is this idea that, Porn is just um, just a way to explore healthy sexuality, or it's a way to it's just another way to engage sexuality. And there's healthy ways to do it. And I think that that is actually, um, I, I think that's dangerous thinking, to be honest. Especially when you're guys like us that struggle um, with putting boundaries around this because we've spent our whole life chasing after porn and porn behaviors, cultivating our own taste for it. Um, it's hard to say, Hey, there's a safe way to engage with this because for us, uh, we've found that it's toxic, that it hurts us, that it costs us. Now, where was I going with that? I, I, I mean, I, I think the reason I share that is just that, um, we're, we're kind of, um, when we struggle with this idea that porn is a, a substitute, uh, we're kind of going up a cultural, kind of a popular cultural feeling that it is a substitute. You know, I was uh, listening to an interview on, I think, the Joe Rogan show. Uh, he's got this great buddy, like one of his good buddies and a business partner named Marcus Aubrey. Uh, 
And this guy's got his own self-help podcast. It actually beats my podcast all the time. I mean, he's good looking. He's got like a model wife. Uh, he runs like a fitness business. He's a partner with Joe Rogan. He's rich. I mean, he's got everything, right? Well, he was talking about how his family came into some money. His dad invented a, a product, and I won't say the name of it. I know the name of it. But he, he built, uh, he invented a, like a fake vagina that guys could jack off into. And I remember hearing an interview where he talked about this. It might have been on Tim Ferriss. Uh, it could have been on Joe Rogan. But he talked about this, and they were marveling, hey, what a great invention this was. This is a way for guys to, you know, have sex when, they're, when their partners were pregnant or whatever. And, and they just made it sound like, yeah, this is completely, this is just a good replacement. Uh, you need a... You're, you're kind of not, you don't have a vagina in your life right now. Just grab this thing and put it on your junk and just, you know, whatever, whack off into a flashlight. And, you know, <laughs> I just think, you know, that's kind of what, that's kind of what we're up against. Um, when we say things like, Hey, this isn't a great substitute. If I really want to cultivate healthy intimacy and connection, if I want to move outside of this narcissistic, self-need-focused um, kind of guy that's addicted and, and that, is, that is trying to cope and escape with these behaviors, then I need to move towards things that are real. I need to move towards things that are true. I need to move towards that healthy intimacy, and I need to get rid of these things that don't serve that. So, you know, I have, a, I have another friend. She was talking about this once. Uh, she was saying that she um, had this picture. She was, she was thinking about uh, her own struggle with masturbation. And she talked about this idea that she realized that she was really getting good at masturbating. And I, I don't want to say that in a weird way. She just, she got really good at knowing her body and knowing what she liked and this and that. And it dawned on her she ultimately wanted to be married and, and be in a relationship. It dawned on her that her future husband wouldn't get the benefit of learning about her body because she had become the expert of her own body. And she said, wow, what a, what a, um, what a bummer that's going to be. If, if uh, my husband is the partner that I want to connect with, doesn't know my body as well as I know it uh, because I've spent all this time cultivating my own sort of uh, sensation, my own sort of feeling. And, and that was one of the reasons that she let go of sort of that recreational masturbation that we talk about on Porn Free Radio. And um, I think in some ways that's one of the reasons that I let go of, you know, reserving the right to masturbate was I realized that when I masturbate, I'm cultivating my own sort of sense of touch and feeling and experience. And it denies my partner, my wife, from being able to experience that and connect with me at that level. And it also, it actually cuts me off from letting her be that one to help me connect in that way. 
So that got a little deeper there, but that is definitely a mind trick that's played on us. This idea that, hey, this is just a good substitute for sex and intimacy. And I know like some of you single guys are thinking, man, this is really crazy. Like you're talking about, you mean if I start engage, if I keep cultivating my use of porn and cultivating my own sort of masturbation habits, that it's actually going to block me from intimacy when I get together with a partner. That's exactly what I'm saying, because that's exactly how I came into marriage. I came into marriage going, I'm really excited about intimacy. And then intimacy was hard and it was challenging. And I realized it wasn't like the perfect sort of porn and masturbating baiting experiences I had had where I just got to look at what I wanted and stayed aroused for two hours. And then I, you know, whatever jacked off and was fine. It, it became more of, wow, this is really, um, I need to learn how to, to be connected to someone. I, I need to learn how to come outside of myself. I need to learn how to, to help her learn about my body and I need to learn about her body and all these kinds of things. I didn't know that. I, I kind of thought, well, it's just plug and play. You know, my wife's not here. Just get on the computer. It's the same thing, right? It's not. It's a completely different habit. So there you go. Those are some of the minds, uh, the minds. <laughs> these are some of the tricks that the mind plays on us. This isn't porn. This isn't as bad as it was in the past. This will clear my head or this will help me go to sleep. Uh, this will be a good break. This is a good way to sort of give myself a little boost so I can finish my spreadsheets. And this is a good substitute for sex or intimacy. Those things are definitely tricks. They're tricks that our mind wants us to pull us back. And uh, we need to start looking at those for what they are. When those pop up, we need to go, wait, this isn't porn. This isn't hardcore porn. But what's the pattern here? Yeah, this isn't as bad as what I did in the past, but this is still toxic to me. This still hurts me. This still costs me. Uh, <laughs> this will clear my head. Uh, no, it won't. It will bring fog. It'll bring shame. It'll bring other stuff, unintended consequences from going to this. This will be a good break. Nope, it will distract me. It'll waste my time. It will actually make me less... Uh, competent when I get back to the task that I need to finish. And this is a good substitute for sex or intimacy. No, this actually grows a relationship with porn and masturbation and starves real sex and intimacy in my life. There you go. All right. Well, I'm going to go out with, uh, I'm going to go, can, can, can we get that hook back in? I'll just play the instrumental here. Man, I love this song. All right, it's it's uh, it's been great hanging with you guys today, and um, I'm losing my voice. I'm out of coffee. So, guys, in this week, take hope and take action. And we'll see you next week in episode 163. Be good.